Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I found a video titled 24 Questions That Black People Have for White People, and as somebody who is both black and white, I feel like I'm a good person to watch it, so let's do it. Yeah, you better. Yeah, you better. Guys, before we get into this video, if you'd like to support the work that I'm doing on this channel, I have a Patreon. The link is in the description down below. Sign up if you want to, no pressure. Now let's get into this video. It is an older one, but it has 6.4 million views, which means apparently the things that were said in this video resonated with a particular group of people. So without further ado, let's watch. Why do you freak out when black people are cast to play white fictional characters? Oh, I, I know this one. It's because the characters were originally white and for no reason at all, we're deciding to race swap them in the name of of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And oftentimes, it's not just fictional characters, baby. It's historical characters who are meant to be white, who were white, that are being switched for black actors. A question I could give back to this individual is why aren't we just writing more fictional stories that involve black people? Next question. Why is a big butt and big lips considered attractive on a white woman, but they're unattractive on a black woman? Whoever said that. There is a lot of black women running around with very beautiful big lips and beautiful butts. <laughs> And guess what? People are attracted to them. I can name a few off the top of my head. You got Beyonce, Cardi B, Nicki Minaj, Meg Thee Stallion. These are all women who are known to be quite attractive and they quite literally talk about their figure and their big butt and all that other stuff. And society is fine with it. In fact, they are millionaires because of it. So who exactly is saying that white women are attractive with these features, but black women aren't? Do y'all really think Miley is the one who created twerking? I've never heard anybody in my life say that they think Miley Cyrus is the one who created twerking. <laughs> you can fact check me on that though. Why is it that white people always act as though they have discovered a new trend when people of color have been doing it for virtually years? Again, like where is this happening? It seems like all of this is just a amalgamation of all the different narratives that are spun about white people being thrown into one video. And it's interesting because I have a feeling we're gonna get into generalizations that are made about black people and black culture when this video in its entirety is a generalization about white people and the actions of white people. Again, if you have some instances of this actually happening where people are truly coming forward and saying, I discovered this thing, Y'all let me know, but I really can't think of any recent examples of white people saying, we as white people have created or discovered this trend and it's been something that they've stolen from a black person with intent. Why is it when a black woman wears her hair natural, it's seen as inappropriate, but when a white woman does, it's praise. Be so for real right now. What year are we living in? What year are we living in that it is unacceptable to have like curly black hair or braids or dreadlocks? Really guys, like fill me in. Maybe I'm missing out on some key experiences here and truly people are dealing with this in a, a systemic way, but I have never, and I mean never, also I do not know any other black people who have dealt with people saying that your hair is unprofessional or you can't have natural hair or you can't 
can't have dreads or you can't have braids. In fact, I think it's something that is widely accepted in the United States of America and abroad at this point. Come on. So much of this is a victim mentality. And I can grant that there are maybe a few individual instances of this happening to somebody. They meet an ignorant person who says, you know, your Afro doesn't look very professional. Can you slick it back or something like that? But by no means is this an issue large enough to be making such a big deal out of it and asking white people why they view our hair to be unprofessional. Most white people, I think, are really interested in black hair or at the very least do not care what your hair looks like. This is the hair that I was born with, so you wearing it as a trend is not cute. That was not a question. That was a statement. Okay, I want her to keep the same energy when black people start wearing straight blonde wigs or any sort of hair that is typically natural to white people. Keep the same energy then. If white people can't start doing black hairstyles and, you know, engaging with your culture or, you know, something that's not your culture, because if we really look into it, black people do not own braids or dreads. And you're going to get upset about that. If you're going to get upset about that, be just as upset when black people start wearing white hairstyles. Keep the same energy, sis. Why is it that white crime is seen as an isolated incident, but black crime is a representation of my entire community? Please. The victimhood is so deep. I think people hate crime in general, regardless of who the perpetrator is. Now, if you really want to get into crime stats and what groups of people are committing more crimes, we can have that conversation and discuss it. But that does not mean that crime is relegated to a specific culture or a specific race. We all know that people of all different race, colors, and creeds commit crimes. And maybe instead of focusing on people's reaction to crime, you should focus on the criminals and the people who are actually committing the crimes. That would do us a lot better. We see a story on TV about a white serial killer. I don't automatically assume that all white people must be serial killers too. And I've never heard somebody do the same about black people. I'm pretty sure it is general knowledge that each person is their own unique individual. And I don't see people running around saying all black people do this. But what I do see in this video is a group of black people saying that all white people are like this. <laughs> which is so crazy. This whole entire video, the whole premise is speaking to white people and making hasty generalizations about them whilst complaining that white people do the same to your race. Make it make sense. Why does talking about race make you feel so uncomfortable? Maybe it's because you're constantly accusing them of being racist and you're making videos where you ask them questions where you accuse them of being racist and appropriating your culture and stealing from black people and judging black people. Maybe that's why having conversations about race make some people uncomfortable. Why is it so easy for you to notice when there are no white people around, but you hardly ever notice when there are no black people around? I don't even know how to respond to some of these questions. Like, where are you getting this analysis? Where are you coming to this conclusion that this is happening? You know, if someone came to me and said, Amala, these people live in a completely different world than you, I would start to believe them. Why is your goal to be colorblind? Because when you are colorblind, meaning you view the world in a race neutral way or through a race neutral lens, it helps you emphasize things about people that actually matter. Your skin color does not actually matter, does not communicate anything about you. What your morals and values are, how you feel about certain issues, what you're going to be like in a friendship or a relationship with somebody, it means quite literally nothing. So if it means quite literally nothing, it might be best to live in a colorblind society where we don't really take stock of those things or use them to make decisions or judgments about people. And there's so many different types of people in the world 
yet you can't see color. And just to address the colorblind thing a little bit further, obviously people can see color, meaning their eyes are perceiving that others are different colors than themselves. It's just to say that your color does not matter to me. I don't use it to make decisions. I don't use it as a means of judging you. And I don't come to any conclusions based on how you look. That's what colorblindness means. That's what race neutrality is. And it is indeed, I think, the best way to move forward as a society. I want to say the N-word so badly. First of all, I don't know that people really want to say the N-word so badly, but when you make something a taboo and you fence it off and you say that people cannot say it, what is that going to create? It's going to create curiosity towards that word. People are going to want to know why they can't say it. And especially if you yourself say, I can say the word, but you can't, I think people are going to feel a certain way about that. I don't think it matters if it's the N-word or if you slash that out and put another word in its place. People are going to feel some type of way about the fact that you are policing language and telling them what they can and cannot say, especially when you are utilizing the word so often. You are calling each other the N-word. It's in rap music. It's all throughout our media and entertainment. That's maybe why people are curious about the N-word and maybe some want the right to be able to say it. I don't use it. What makes you think you can? Maybe because people have the general philosophy that you should not be able to police their language, whether it is language that is hateful or derogatory or it's perfectly neutral language. Many could also argue that the N-word has become a neutral word. Many are using it to refer to each other as their friends and homies and all this other stuff. So why shouldn't somebody be able to use that word? It is in fact the truth that you cannot claim language. And it's interesting that she says, I don't use the word, so why do you think that you can? She herself gets to make the choice as to whether or not she uses the N-word or she doesn't use it. Other people don't get that choice. They're directly told what they can and cannot do. And I can almost guarantee if you allowed people to say the N-word tomorrow and you said every race, color, and creed can say the N-word and you gave them permission, virtually nobody would be using it. You may have a week or two where all these white people are using the N-word and it's a free-for-all because they finally have the power to do so, but eventually it would lose all of its charm. I think the general rule is when you tell people that they can't do something or they don't have permission to do something, they kind of want to do it even more. You know what, I'm gonna start dating her even harder. So maybe we can learn from that. Why do you always want to touch our hair? Who told you it was okay to touch people without their permission? It's one thing to touch somebody without their permission, which I don't advise you do to anybody. White, black, Asian, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. That's probably not something that you wanna do. It's another thing to be curious about someone's hair that you haven't seen before. And I've said this many times on the show. It's something I've experienced extensively <laughs> throughout my life. People going, I've never seen an Afro or curly black hair like yours. Can I touch your hair? And for me, it's a yes. Sure, it's general curiosity. You wanna know what it feels like. You haven't seen something like it before. And in fact, most people go on to appreciate that and say, I really love your hair. And that is what brings them to asking you that question. So you can view it as something that is hostile or a microaggression as we call it these days. But more often than not, it is somebody trying to express direct curiosity and engage with you and connect with you. And that is something that should be invited. Why do you feel like having one black friend makes you a cultural expert or 
are not a racist. I don't think anybody thinks having one black friend makes them a cultural expert. I don't even know what a cultural expert is. Okay, so we'll set that aside. And I wanna clear this up, okay? Secondly, because people use this all the time. Oh, I have a black friend. How dare you use I have a black friend as an excuse? I'm sorry, but if you're a white person who has a black friend, you're probably not racist. So yeah, you can use that as evidence towards not being racist. Because if you really viewed another race as inferior or harbored hatred or disdain towards that race, would you be friends with somebody with that racial background? Probably not. So yes, if you are a white person with black friends, you're probably not a racist. Is your only black friend comfortable with being the reason why you can't be racist? Probably, because if the black friend thought that you were racist, why would they be your friend in the first place? A question we really should be asking ourselves is why in the year 2023 do so many white people have to defend themselves against the allegation of racism when we know that as a society we have progressed far outside the bounds of race and judging people based on race. There may be a few racists out there with very small minds in this world, but it's by and large not most white people. So why is it that we're constantly hurling the accusation of racism towards them where they feel the need to defend themselves with the idea of having a black friend or black family members? Maybe we should ask ourselves that. And one more thing, if these white people didn't have black friends or black family members, you'd be judging them just as hard. And I've seen it happen many times before. They have a family get together and all the people are white in the room or they invite their friends to a potluck and everybody's white. You judge them and say, how dare you not have black friends? How dare you not associate with people of color? So which is it? Do you want the white people to have black friends or do you want them to not associate with black people whatsoever? How come you can't pronounce black names like Kuvanjane? but can say names like Schwarzenegger, Galifianakis, and LaBeouf just fine. So ridiculous. Do you think that a white person who mispronounces your name, which happens to me all the time. Y'all know it. My name is Amala. I get called Amala, Amala, you name it. Anything under the sun, people mispronounce my name. And that's okay. People, when they hear things that they're not used to, oftentimes can't put it together or verbalize it properly. They do it with white names. They do it with black names. They do it with Hispanic names. They do it with Asian names. If you hear something that's unfamiliar, oftentimes it can be difficult to repeat it back. I don't think white people are running around and saying, you know, I'm gonna purposefully mispronounce the name of this black person to make them feel what? Feel bad about themselves? Feel like they don't have a, a normal name or a normal place in society? No, we know that's not happening. If anything, it's pretty embarrassing to mispronounce someone's name and people avoid that as much as they possibly can. So I don't think there's this personal vendetta that white people have against black names that is making them mispronounce them. Please, maybe you should ask yourself why in a nation full of like Sarah's and John's and Rebecca's we're naming kids Quavanja Wallace or Watermelon Andrea. Oh, I can't. And I'll say the same thing to white people who give their kids crazy ass names that nobody can spell or pronounce. Ask yourself why you feel the need to do that. It's okay that you give your kid a unique name. I have a unique name myself, but if people mispronounce that name, it's not the fault of the person. You're the one who made up the difficult why name. Do you feel like all lion's lives matter, 
but black lives don't. Be so for real right now. I'm not even gonna respond to that. Is a lion's life in Africa more important than the lives of black people here in America? I've literally, I'm gonna be honest, I've never heard this one. What about lion's lives versus black people's lives? I've never ever heard this sort of rhetoric. This for once is something that is new to me when it comes to woke leftism. And we know it is not true. There's a ton of other reasons to have issues with Black Lives Matter as an organization, as an ideology that have nothing to do with how much you value black lives. We know that lives are equal. We know that all lives matter. And apparently nobody wants to hear that statement anymore. And if you are a white person who has qualms with Black Lives Matter or doesn't feel the need to use that phrase in your daily life or when the next movement pops up, you'd be in the right because it's not beneficial to anybody to be speaking like that or to be supporting an organization that quite literally does nothing for black lives. Why is it so hard for you to acknowledge your privilege? Maybe it's because the very foundation for the argument of white privilege is false and there are white people who have privilege and there are white people that don't. You don't get an inherent privilege simply by virtue of being white, just as there are black people with privilege and there are black people without privilege. And that's something that we should be able to acknowledge without having to condemn people to certain categories like oppressor and oppressed. Maybe that's why they don't want to acknowledge their privilege. It in fact comes with a slew of other accusations, including racism and internalized prejudice that have nothing to do with the privilege that you may or may not be born with. How does it feel to not be the spokesperson for your entire race at any given time? It's hilarious because these black people are choosing to be the spokespeople of black people and black culture in this video by participating and by asking questions to white people. So it's hilarious that they are claiming to not want to have that responsibility and deeming that white people don't have that responsibility. Y'all, this is ridiculous. I don't know if I answered all of these questions properly or even got to all of them, but what I do know is this is peak, 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 peak victimhood culture. It is peak divisiveness. And all that this video was capable of doing is further dividing people on the basis of race and slinging out accusations towards white people, which we know is the only acceptable thing to do today. If you're gonna be racist towards a group of people or create a racial divide, white people are the people to do that too because they get to just be the people who bear the burden of everything that has ever happened historically. Any group that has ever been wronged, white people are the ones to blame today. But if you're a white person watching right now or a person from any race, let's say, and you have some answers to these 24 questions, drop them in the comments down below. As always, I encourage healthy debate, so duke it out, but do so respectfully. And if you like this video and my responses, like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time I post a video for you guys, which is every single day. And I'll see you next time. Yeah, you better. Yeah, you better.